Hey everybody, before we begin, I just wanted to make this quick announcement about the podcast. April is National Poetry Month. So, in April, next month, I will be featuring all writers as my guests. More than that, I'm going to be featuring two writers a week. So rather than having the weekly episodes, uh, on Mondays I'll have a writer, and then I'll have another writer again on Thursday. And in the following week, it'll be the same thing. A writer on Monday, a writer on Thursday. So you're getting two episodes per week, all April, and they'll all be writers. Some some will be poets, most of them will be poets, but others will be writers of fiction or experimental uh, experimental literature, um, writers of nonfiction. Uh, the idea is just to feature writers and writing craft and to have craft discussions uh, for those who are interested in creating a writing practice or have a writing practice and want to hear how other writers manage their writing practice. So that's what April will be dedicated to. That's sort of going to be the way I celebrate uh, National Poetry Month, and I hope you celebrate it with me. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. I've, I've been curating these episodes uh, since January, sort of reaching out to writers, putting this thing together. And now that they're all been produced, I can't wait for April to come around so that uh, we can all celebrate National Poetry Month together. All right. Thanks for listening. And on with the episode. On with the, on with the episode. Oh, on with the episode. <laughs> Hi, Al. Can you hear me? Hey, I can hear you. Can you hear me? cool all right thanks for doing this so early in the morning i haven't yeah. been up this early since before the pandemic oh really yeah <laughs> uh, i woke up at 5 a.m oh shit okay yeah and uh i did some i did some thanks for visiting my youtube channel videos and then i also did some patreon ads okay um, and uh, then I went back to sleep, and now I'm here. <laughs> and it's well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so um, I d I haven't really learned that much about what your startup is. Um, mm -hmm. So I figured today you could school me on what you're doing. <laughs> All right. Uh, where Where do you want me to start? Just give you kind of like a high level a level overview of of like the products that we make and sort of our customer base, that kind of thing. Well, yeah, I figured too. Uh, I figured, um, you could, you, yeah, tell me what, uh, yeah, exactly what it is. Uh, but then also, kind of how you how you got it going. I think yeah, that's, sure. That would be an interesting story. Yeah. So uh, first, I'll, I'll just kind of go into what we make. So basically, um, indoor farming is like a, a huge growing industry right now, and um, a lot of the indoor farming practices use something called hydroponics, which instead of using dirt to grow plants in, you're growing plants directly in water. And uh, there's a lot of pros to that. Like for example, you don't have to be lugging dirt around. Um, you can, the plants can grow a lot larger. Like, cause one of the things about dirt, for example, is like the plants have, have to use a lot of energy to actually like push through the dirt. Whereas in water, they can just like expand freely. And on top of that, you can add the nutrients directly to the water. And so that makes them very available to the plants. Uh, with, with soil, you're actually feeding bacteria, which you're feeding the plants. So there's like multiple processes that happen with that. Whereas hydroponics is kind of just like direct nutrients to the plants. So there's definitely benefits to soil. There's, there's these type of benefits to hydroponics. Um, but with hydroponics and specifically recirculating hydroponics, where you have 
many plants connected to together on the same uh, basically body of water sharing nutrients um, the uh, the nutrient levels can get really uh, they could fluctuate a lot because the plants are absorbing things they're taking nutrients out of the water they're spitting things into the water and so they're changing the con the concentration of the nutrients they're changing the pH and so it can be very difficult and so what we've built is a machine that, has different sensors and it actually can sense things like everyone knows pH uh, senses the nutrients by something called electrical conductivity. So it measures, it sends like electrical signals through the water and it can tell basically the amount of electricity that passes through the more nutrients there are because the nutrients are like, that's kind of how it works. Uh, we also measure um, something called dissolved oxygen. So it's just how much oxygen is in the water and that has a big impact on how well, the plant can absorb nutrients. And then finally, we also measure oxidation reduction potential, which, you know, even a lot of our customers don't know what that is. And it basically gives you some idea of the microbial activity of the water. So a lot of data that you're getting from the water. And the best part really is that the machine is able to constantly add nutrients to the water whenever the nutrient levels change. So you know, typically, if, if you didn't have a, a machine like ours, maybe once or twice a day, you're going to go in there, you're going to measure your water, and you're going to see, okay, what are the levels? Do I need to add something else? And then, you know, you might measure a little bit of stuff out, you might try to mix it in. Um, it's better to do it slowly. But you know, sometimes you can't really do that. But with our machine, it's working around the clock. And based on like, we have like a, an application on the web. So because it's a it's an IoT device, it's connected to the internet. So you actually see when the machine is working, and you see when your plants are eating. And it can happen sometimes like 20 times a day, the plants are, are getting fed during different times. And so by by having this machine, it's keeping everything like super stable. And that's going to help basically you get the, the best results from uh, from your crops. Is there a uh a limit to the kinds of crops that you can grow in water or is there, there's some crops, crops that are at risk of drowning? That's a good question. Um, so, so theoretically anything can be grown hydroponically. Like you can grow, uh, even some kind of a tree hydroponic if you really wanted to. Um, but what's, what's typically done is cannabis plants are, are huge hydroponically and then, leafy greens, lettuce, things like that. They do that hydroponically. Um, also tomatoes. Those tomatoes are actually kind of similar to cannabis in that they're flowering plants and they have like different stages of growth. Um, but yeah, I, I've seen other cool stuff. Like I, I've seen like potatoes done hydroponically, which is crazy. They actually use something called like aeroponics, which is because um, there, there's different types of hydroponics. And one of them is basically where they spray like nutrient and water on the roots in the air and then it kind of drips down into a bucket of water and it kind of comes back up and that's actually the the system that uses the least amount of water and that's the kind of stuff that nasa and some other large companies are working with to be as efficient as possible is this the future of food production um i would say it's a it's a big part of the future i mean it also it really depends because like you know i mean you know because you like star wars and all that and we think about like coruscant right so they have what is it like a trillion people living on the planet? I think it's like that many people. Right. And so the thing is like the earth, we have 7 billion people. And if we actually took up all the, the space that people would take up, it, it could fit inside of like one of the states of, you know, the United States or maybe even the city. So like the actual size of humans is not that great. It's just 
the impact that we have on the planet, the resources that we require to sustain our civilization. And so like a lot of our land in the United States, like is used for farmland. I know actually half of more than half of the land is, is used just for animal agriculture specifically. Um, and so we could be doing things like a lot more efficiently. And so with things like vertical farming, where instead of using a lot of land, you can stack levels on top of each other. You can get orders of magnitude more uh, better use of land like you can actually get the same output for certain crops indoor you can get like a hundred times more output for the same amount of land uh if you're doing it outdoors because of you know you don't have to deal with like different growing seasons you could um you can stack things vertically all these things out you realize that it really adds up to a lot and so if we become like a much larger species, or if we even want to try to heal our planet better by utilizing our land better, um, then I think that this could be a, a major impact on, on improving the, the future that we live in. Yeah, I, I, now that you're explaining, I can kind of see just from a visual standpoint, I always go into just imagining yeah. what, what it'll look like in space. And I can see like bags of water growing. Uh, growing food for astronauts on their way to you know the first martian colony that will probably have a church at the center of town because you know you can't you gotta have god somewhere <laughs> um and so how how on earth did you get involved with this because this sounds this sounds amazing this this is like the kind of startup that i think has a real shot at a, a sustained growth a sustained life yeah yeah um do you want me to just kind of go into like my backstory i mean because it's it's just how i grew, like it's how i grew up it's like 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 every step of my life has kind of been going towards this uh like ever since I was really young, I was interested in the future. Like I remember even in second grade, I wrote a little article or like a little story about how I was going to make this like watch that was on your wrist and it, you know, had, you know, you could watch movies on it and had like little CDs and you'd put them in the watch and you could watch your stuff. I didn't know that we didn't need CDs in the future, but I've just been that, that kind of minded. I like, I never, I wasn't good at school. Like I was, wasn't paying attention to the teacher. I was looking out the window thinking about something else. And so that's why like my ideas are like, kind of different than what people are typically thinking about and um like there was a, a time in my life where i saw this movie uh the zeitgeist addendum have you ever heard of the zeitgeist film series no um i mean they're they're, they're kind of interesting there's a little bit of wacky stuff in there but uh in in one part of the movie they talk about this future city uh it's called the venus project and basically the idea is that it's like it's actually a circular city and like the middle is like a robot that's like controlling everything. And so basically everyone lives super happy there. Uh, everything is taken care of. Everything is done like a hundred times more efficiently than, than, than it's done now. And it's not like we need more advanced technology necessarily to do this. It's just also like a social and political thing. And so, you know, I was just thinking like, you know, we could be doing things a lot better. And so kind of moving towards more recently when I started my company, I just happened to kind of meet the right person, my, my business partner, Adrian, like he's fantastic engineer. And when we worked together, we had like a really great partnership. Like, you know, sometimes when you, you put your mind together with someone else, you realize that new ideas come that neither of you would have thought of on your own. And so when, when that happens, it's a special thing. And so 
we were fortunate to have an opportunity to start a business at, at our school. And we just kind of started with the idea of like, hey, what if we tried to build a uh, grow plants in a box, like a little, you know, three foot by three foot by three foot cube full of technology that would basically take care of all the different aspects of growing plants. And this actually came from an MIT project where it was like an open source thing that, um, you know, you could get the instructions, you could put it together. And, and what we realized in, in this competition was that this product costs, like, it costs us $3,000 to make this little box that could go only grow maybe like two foot by two foot of plants. And so we were thinking like, that doesn't make sense. Like sustainably, it doesn't seem like a, a good way to produce those, that food. But the thing about the, the technology is you could be growing a lot more plants with the same amount of tech, you know what I mean? So we were like, what if we just took some of that technology and, and tried to figure out what we what would be needed in the indoor farming space? Because there's a lot of people that are doing cannabis farming, like that's been indoor for like a long time. And then there's also this new ag tech stuff where they're really getting good at growing leafy greens and herbs and things like that indoors uh, at a, like in a way that's actually like efficient or that's, um, you know, they can actually like make a sustainable business out of that. And so we see like those are the industries that uh, are growing. And so we've kind of actually done a lot of research into those fields. So I, I could, I'll give you a second to respond. But maybe I could go into that a little bit if you want. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Take over. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so basically what, what, what we did, and this is a really good way of starting a business is like actually talking to customers because you know, say, you know, I'm an engineer, Adrian's an engineer. We just, we think like, oh, we're technical. Let's do all these things and put it together and make it in a box and, or whatever. But you actually need to go out and see what people are actually, what problems people have. And um, is there any way that we could solve those problems? And so one of the things that I did first was I was calling hydroponic stores. So we, we got a list of a ton of hydroponic stores and I was just picking up the phone and calling them and asking them what are problems that their customers have what are some technologies that you've seen? What are some issues with those technologies? Just asking them a couple of questions. Uh, you know, I, I played the student card really well. I was like, hey, my name's Alex. I'm a student from City College studying hydroponics, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, a lot of people were super nice. And, uh, you know, because the, these hydroponics stores are basically places that, because you could buy things online, but a lot of people like to go to the store and, and engage with the, the employees because they have a lot of experience and they just like to talk about this stuff. So it's, it's just a great source of knowledge that's basically free. Um, and so that really helped us realize like, okay, it seems like building some kind of automated nutrient delivery system that's like, could, could be, could be really helpful. Uh, and, you know, we've also been to a lot of farms. Like I've probably been to like at least 20 or 30 farms and, uh, we were fortunate, actually, like the reason we got to go to so many is because we got into a program from the National Science Foundation. And so they paid us uh, like $50,000 to specifically travel and go to farms. And so we had a chance to talk to the cultivators, hear about the, the issues that they were having, see the technologies that they were using. And the more that we saw these farms, like the more people we talked to, the more we realized that like the technology that we were thinking to develop uh made a lot of sense and we and we figured out other stuff from the technology like we because we were first thinking like okay it's like a dosing system it adds the nutrients automatically and it uses sensors to um know what to add to the water but we found out that like the actual sensor readings that information itself was extremely valuable as well so the the value proposition of our product is not only the automation but it's also the data that it collects so that can help you get a, a better understanding of your of your environment 
You know, back in the 50s and 60s, they assumed that the future was going to look like, over the next century, a sort of pursuit into the energy age. Well, Mm -hmm. what we ended up in is the information age. And Mm -hmm. all the technology has sort of been informed by the information age. Do you think the next age is going to be sort of food tech? Um, it's interesting, like age, like, it's hard to say, like, what the age is. um, Mm. But I would say that food tech is going to continue to be developed. I mean, because it's not only like this, this fantastic future that we want to live in, where we save all this land and, you know, restore the environment with, you know, planting more trees and sucking all the carbon out of the atmosphere. But it's actually like being able to survive, because, um, you know, our population is growing. So we're, you know, we're almost to 8 billion. Uh, I think that they've said things like maybe by 2050, there'll be like about 10 billion people. And the, the way that we're, we're farming right now is unsustainable, uh, you know, because the way that we grow, like when we're using, when we're doing like, like monoculture, basically, because, you know, different plants work together to absorb different parts of the soil. But if you have like monocultures, they're just taking the same stuff over and over again. And the soil is getting completely destroyed and they're adding tons of nutrients on top of the soil. It's not like they're just growing out of dirt. They're adding stuff to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, so the amount of actual growing land is decreasing and the population is increasing. And so it's actually almost like similar to building like electric cars, like not even for the environmental impact, but just for the fact that like we're going to run out of oil and we're dependent on oil. And if we ran out of like right when we needed it, then we, we would be screwed. So we need to be thinking about it for like a long time before that. And I kind of see it in the same way. It's like we need to be really in developing these technologies so that once there is actual food, like once we actually couldn't be growing the food outdoors anymore, we're already on our way to to be growing it in a, in a much more efficient way that we could basically grow anywhere. And like you're saying with space, like if we could grow food in space, then we could grow food in like the desert and all these areas of the world where it's really, really hard to grow food. Do you follow the the experiments that they do on the International Space Station as it concerns, you know, seeding and... Um, I, I, I only, only a little bit. I, I wish I was following a little bit more, but actually... Uh, we're applying to a program with NASA. It's called the Deep Space Food Competition. And it's it's a little bit of a, you know, could be considered a little bit of a distraction right now because we're, you know, we're actually have like a, a legitimate business. But it's something that I, I'm really passionate about. And I think that like I would be really excited to get on the moon because we're going to be landing on the moon in 2024 if everything works out with NASA. And so they're going to want to have some experiments. Basically, it's just going to be like a lunar experimental landscape. And so um, they're looking for, you know, funny enough, like I was talking about like that food computer farm in a box thing that we made in the beginning, and then we kind of moved away from it. Well, now they, that's what they actually want us to make. And so, I mean, the, the one of the reasons I, I think we should do it is because, look, we actually already did that, but now we have actual like real tech. And so we could put a lot of that in the box that we could, we could put on the, you know, on the moon at some point, but it's like a long process too. Like their competition takes a long time. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, that's that's something that we're we're interested in doing. How 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 are you managing your supply chain? Like how how, how does that start? Yeah, um, so it's actually not not terribly difficult. Uh, like one of the fortunate things is we've we are we're we're 
basically developing a product that doesn't have that many space constraints. Like it's not like we're building like a mobile phone, which needs to like have all this like circuitry in your pocket. It's, it's, it's a product It looks, it should be compact, but it doesn't need to be that compact. So fortunately we can build it with like pretty reasonable uh, constraints. And so like, for example, we have our, our pumps. And so that's like two pieces of sheet metal. Like we figured that out is like, you know, you could be like a sheet metal like this and a sheet metal like this, they fit together like a perfect cube. And so we're getting that manufactured in New Jersey and you know, they're, they're a great company doing that. Uh, we're purchasing pumps, the actual like peristaltic pumps that go in the, in the module. And so we get that from a company in Florida. Uh, the circuitry, uh, we developed the circuitry in-house and uh, we have, a, there's a company in China that actually makes the boards. And so before we were actually having them just make the, the PCBs because there's a lot of companies in the United States, like even in New York state where like they, they'll assemble PCBs, but even if you order them, they will order them from China typically. And then they'll just put the parts on the board um, because like, it's so much cheaper for them to do it in China. Like they've really figured out that process. Um, so initially we were just getting like the boards and then we were getting the components and we were like soldering things together by hand and it was taking hours. And a lot of times like they would get messed up because imagine we had something that was like one inch and it had 50 pins, 50 pins on it. And it would always get messed up. And so, and that was the thing that connects to the screen. Cause you have like a lot of different like data lines going into the screen. And so now we're having the companies that make the PCBs also assemble them for us. And it's, it's just a little bit more expensive, but it's, um, it's not, it's not terribly bad. And, and for us, like, you know, we do want to, to manufacture in the United States as, as much as we can. And so that's why we're, we're happy to work with like United States companies, but for, for the circuit board stuff, it just doesn't make sense. Like it's almost like 10 times cheaper to get it done at these places. And they, and they do a fantastic job. Um, and so then another thing that we're doing is so because I'm telling you about like the pumps, but we also have like a, a brain, which is called the Alchemist and the enclosure. We actually are able to 3D print the enclosure. Uh, we've been working on that for a long time. And it's amazing that you can actually produce a, a, a plastic enclosure that's 3D printed that actually looks great. And so, you know, we're happy with that now. We probably will go into something else in the future. Once it, the issue with 3D printing is it takes a lot of time because it, it takes like hours to print one thing. Um, but you know, that's kind of sort of where we're at at this point. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm thinking too, like the fact though, that you can solder these things together if, in, in a pinch, if you need to, it's pretty impressive. Do you think mm -hmm. it's important that, um, the, the founders of a manufacturing company be capable of that, regardless of the fact that their supply chain is doing it on their own? doing it for them. yeah uh, yeah i mean the thing is um the more technical you are as a founder just the easier it is to start a business uh because we've actually like because there was a time when we weren't as experienced as we are now and so we were hiring people to do stuff for us so we were hiring people to make circuit boards for us we we're hiring people to do firmware development development we we're hiring people to do web development for us and that, that costs a lot of money. And also it wasn't like, we weren't even getting really high quality stuff. And it's like, it's different when you have someone that's on your team versus you're hiring someone to just do a job for you. Because the thing about these technical things is they're never done. Like you're always trying, you, you think you're done and you realize that there's a couple of mistakes. And so, um, 
so basically what we've ended up doing fortunately was bringing most of the technology like in-house and so now we're we're doing all of the firmware development uh we've done all the back-end development we are hiring someone to do the front end but um that's not i mean it's it's still it's still challenging just to do that in itself but we we do all the the circuitry in-house and so because we have these skill sets, it actually is allowing us to, to basically make our technology as good as we want it. And I think a lot of other companies, maybe their founders are not technical and they, they're like, oh, I want to build this company. Oh, I'm going to hire people to do this. But then they're un unfortunately, they don't have control over how good it is. You know, they can only get such a product. And, and so that's one of the uh, other reasons that we're, we're doing what we're doing is because we talked to a lot of farmers and we've heard that you know, these other products suck, like they're not that good. There's problems with them. And, you know, the companies have just kind of focused more on just selling this product. That's, that's not a really a well-designed product. And so because we have all this stuff in house, like, you know, we're able to really make it and make it good and then just keep iterating on it pretty efficiently. Do you, do you anticipate resistance from um, the agriculture sector in regards to like, Oh, we like it. We like it the way we're doing it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's a, so the thing is there's a lot of different people out there that we're selling to. And so we're, uh, we're looking a lot into the cannabis industry right now. And these people are mostly growing indoors and they're tech junkies. Everyone wants, everyone wants the latest tech. They're just looking for ways to improve their process. And so there's a lot of people that want our technology. Like people are, there's much more people saying like, oh, I wish the technology was better than, oh, I wish we just did things the way that we were doing them. And and there there are people that want to do the ways that they want to do it. And that's fine. So like, you know, those people just wouldn't be our customers. Um, but fortunately, there are so many people that are our customers that, you know, we're going to be okay. And also, you know, one of the things about the, the agriculture industry is, is it's a lot of word of mouth. I mean, especially like in cannabis, because it's, it's been underground for a long time. So everyone was kind of like talking to each other. It wasn't as much like advertising and things like that. So once some people start getting our system, others are going to follow. And that's already been the case. Like people are, are talking about it. And when, when, other, when customers start telling their friends about it, they get really excited. And so we see like a, the word of mouth advertising model for us is, is going to be huge. And, and once people see the results that they're getting from, from using our technology, then people are just going to quickly follow suit. Cause at the end of the day, it's just a numbers game. It's like, how much uh, yields can you get? Uh, you know, you're trying to produce the most output with the least amount of inputs possible. And so if, if people can do anything to improve that, they will. Thanks okay. Alex, for coming on here. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.